Hey super friends, my name is Neil and this is episode 36 of the Get Your Comic On podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of comic book, film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio to your speakers. I am of course joined by my very own boy wonder himself, Martin. Say hello Martin. Did you, uh, did you like that? I wrote down an intro because I thought we should probably have something a bit more official. It almost felt like you'd prepared. I, I prepared for that, at least. Um, I can't guarantee you everything else has been prepared for, but that I have. Hope you're all okay out there in lockdown land. We are going to be talking to you about a number of topics this week. Uh, beginning with the news, where we are going to cover off some news from the CW about uh, DCTV. We are also going to be covering what was one thing, which is also now going to the CW, as well as a brand new Star Trek series. And then we are going to motor on into a discussion on Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which came out on digital a couple of weeks ago and comes out on DVD, Blu-ray and 4K next week. Not only that, but we have a number of special guests to go with this one, do we not, Boy Wonder? We do. So, we are joined in this podcast by Ernie Altbacker, who wrote the screenplay for Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, Jason O'Mara, the voice of Batman, and uh, who did who was it again that you, you interviewed? Oh, God, what's his name? That Welsh bloke. Uh, he, he, you know the one. He's been in Legends of Tomorrow a couple of times, right? Bit of a geezer. Yeah. Um, Matt, Matt something? Yeah. Matt, Matt, um... Matt Ryan, that's it. Yeah, voice of Constantine uh, and Constantine in Legends of Tomorrow and the Arrowverse is also joining us. At this point, I have to hold my hands up uh, and firstly, thank Warner Brothers for the wonderful opportunity to interview uh, voice actors and creative people from this film, which was wonderful and nerve-wracking because we'd never done telephone interviews before and we both managed to do them. It was very exciting, so thank you very much. However, uh, your boy here did done muck up one of them, didn't I? Just a smidge. We also interviewed... Uh, oh, no, no, no. You also interviewed. <laughs> I'm not I'm not being tired with this one. I My interview with Mr. <laughs> Ryan went splendid. Well, apart from when you didn't call in. Well, nobody um, needed to know that. I did call in. I also got to interview the lovely Chris Gorham, who is the voice of The Flash. And we had a really wonderful conversation about The Flash in general and the DC movies and the legacy and being part of them. And um, I, one one day, maybe I will play you a clip from it, but um, it's basically just 15 minutes of me and then walls of silence because for some reason our audio recording software only did half the conversation. So there's lots of like silence followed by me going, huh, yeah, 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 I, to- I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and there's nothing. So I feel awful about that fact, but um, you get one shot and I, I, I done fucked it up. So, you know. We move on. But thank you, Chris, because it was a lovely conversation. So it's kind of like having a private one-on-one conversation with someone. Um, oops. Quite embarrassed about that. But he was lovely, and it was a really good interview as well. It's almost like one of those school-grown pranks where you're like, no, no, I am friends with Superman. Look, I can prove it. Oh, I can't prove I can't, it. Yeah. He's this quickery. Yeah. Lovely, lovely guy, though. Really lovely, and it was a great interview. Um, we, 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 we should say that our interviews were all uh, moderated by Gary. The lovely Gary from Warner Brothers Animation. I think I was more nervous to talk to Gary than anything else. I think I was as well because you see him at the panels and he's, you know, he doesn't, 
He's not backwards and coming forward. He is certainly not. So for those of you who have never been to um, San Diego Comic Con or any of the big American cons, Gary is um, director of marketing, I think it is, for Warner Brothers Animation. And he's clearly a big DC Comics fan as well as part of the, the crew behind these films. And he moderates a lot of the panels at the big American conventions. So we've seen him at San Diego and New York doing stuff for Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond. We go way back to stuff like all the films we've seen as well, like um, New Gods. He may have been at... I can't remember which ones he's been at and which ones he's not. But basically everything that we've seen to do with these films, he's been at the panel for. And it's quite a... It's quite like, oh my god, I'm, I'm talking to Gary. It's Gary from marketing. He's a, he's a celebrity in his own right. And I, and I love the guy and he's very funny. Anyway, shall we talk about some news? Let's do the news. But quietly, because the cat's sleeping. Yes, don't disturb the cat with the news jingle. First up in the news this week is the confirmation that the CW are postponing all of the new series launches from the usual September-October timeframe to January 2021 onwards, presumably because they're not sure when they're going to be able to start production. Normally they would have all finished by now with season finales airing in the next couple of weeks, and then they take five, six weeks break and then start filming again over the summer. So I guess they're thinking that maybe they're not going to be able to get back to normal too quickly and that they'll need to take some time to think about how they're going to have to re potentially rewrite some of the storylines or take the number of characters in certain scenes down shows like the flash where they've got nine leads might have to reduce the number of characters per scene for social distancing it's going to be difficult for them to figure out exactly how they start production again but what they have announced is that batwoman will be airing on sundays paired with charmed mondays will be all american and black lightning tuesdays will be the flash paired with the new superman and lois series Wednesdays are Riverdale and Nancy Drew. Thursdays are Walker, which is a remake of Walker, Texas Ranger, starring Jared Padalecki from Supernatural as Walker, Texas Ranger, and Legacies. And then Fridays will be Penn and Teller. I thought it was called Fowlus. I'm just reading it wrong. It's called Foolus. And Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, I love Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yes, it's the Aisha Tyler version. I, don't, I quite like that as well. 9pm Fridays on the CW. Uh, you'll notice that there's no Supergirl in there. That is taking a rest until mid-season to allow Melissa Benoist the time to have her baby and have some maternity leave. And Legends of Tomorrow will likely also be a mid-season start like it was this year. So that means that the crossover won't be in December. We won't be seeing a crossover until early next year. They've said that that crossover is only going to be a two-hour event next year. It will be a two-hour crossover between Batwoman and Superman and Lois. How do you feel about them taking a prolonged break before they come back, having all also finished early because they couldn't finish production? So I'm just reflecting on everything you've just said there, and I think that it strikes me the most is that I'm probably most excited about whose line is it anyway. <laughs> that says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> I know that's maybe a bit controversial, Um you are entitled to your opinion. But, uh, yeah. You've not watched The Flash this year. No, I, I, I tapped out The Flash because I, I think I've said it before, I just find it a bit too cheesy. So I finished The Flash. So The Flash finished this week and I've watched the finale. It was an, it was a better season than they've had for a couple of years. 
it was better that they did two i like that they referred to to it as two graphic novel volumes so pre-crisis was volume one which was um the the villain blood work the the actor from from heroes and then volume two post-crisis was mirror master although she's it's gender swapped so she's mirror mistress not she's not called herself that in the show but that's what we're saying and that has worked better for it than like last year where they introduced the villain in like episode one and that whole villain just lasts for the 22 episodes it's worked better but it is it's not it doesn't feel like comic book flash to me it's very much a you could almost call it like the super friends hour because it is everyone's got powers everyone is involved in team flash knows no one that doesn't know who barry is at this point pretty much it does yeah it doesn't quite feel like the same show but i do i do enjoy watching it you've managed to stick with supergirl that airs its finale in north america tonight and batwoman that also airs its finale tonight yeah i mean i think what it is 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 that i find 24 episodes just too long i prefer the short 10 12 i, I would agree where there's like a really like ripping storyline story i can get into it so I wonder if, and I hope, and again, it's probably controversial for me to say, but in a way, I hope, and I think I've said this before on this podcast, that Superman and Lois is, say, 13 episodes, and then it ends, and then Supergirl starts and runs for, say, 13 episodes, because we don't we don't know enough about Superman and Lois yet to know how it's going to be. It might be amazing. Um, we'll talk a bit about that show in a sec. But Supergirl tends to start well for me, and end well for me, but everything in between tends to get really laborious. Yeah, so I think now that so the stuff I've been watching now that Lex is back and we're doing that whole Lex, what's he been doing? And it's like, oh that's I'm, I'm back in again. All yeah. the stuff with technology and like, oh, Leviathan. Leviathan. It's like it's too long, it's too long. Grip grip me back in here. So I think I respond better when we just sort of marathon through it all. Yeah, uh, that's that's almost what the way I feel like it's worked. And similar with Batwoman, I feel like Batwoman has struggled with its storyline, and I think it's really lacked a good villain. And that's not to say that Alice isn't a good character, because I think that Alice character is amazing, but she's not a big bad. Yeah, and she's been there too long. There's too much grey area for her to be a big bad of the season. So the series has kind of lacked a trajectory in terms of where we're going to end it, if that makes sense. It does. Like, I feel like we've just spent 20, well, 19 episodes sort of going back and forth between Alice and Batwoman with the odd villain. But it hasn't, there hasn't been a purpose to it. it hasn't taken us anywhere no, it's like i've got you alice i'm gonna let you go i've got you again oh i'm letting you go again oh i love you i don't love you i don't like you oh i've caught you i've not caught you but having said that i've really warmed to ruby rose as kate and i think it's the most unique looking dc tv series of the cw slate i like the fact that it's filmed partly in chicago so you get a very different looking city it doesn't just look like vancouver pretending to be Central City and Star City and National City. So I like that. I think that's really good. I also like the fact that it's in a different aspect ratio. It feels slightly more cinematic. It's got a different colour palette. I just I feel like it's a very, very different show to the rest, which is quite encouraging for potentially the future of the series, uh, the, the, the Arrowverse, as it was. 
how do you feel about Superman and Lois? Is it something? What do you, how do you feel about Tyler Hecklin's Superman at this point, having seen him a handful of times? Do you think he he or they together can anchor a show? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Um, I'm not. Now's the time to think about it. Oh, all right, God. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm not against it. I'm not overly for it. I'm quietly. I'm going to be the quiet observer and say, okay, change my mind. Give, give me something to love the show. Shall I... Wait, so they've not filmed a single scene yet. They didn't... They were about to film the pilot with before shutdown and they haven't. But they have a they have a series order regardless of pilot. So it'll be interesting to see how it fits in with the wider Supergirl universe and what villains are allowed to use. And this crossover with Batwoman, what are we going to see here? We're going to see like a bit of a classic Batman-Superman, but replaced with Batwoman. Which is interesting because you feel like if they would do that, they'd do Batwoman and Supergirl and do World's Finest gender-swapped, but rather than um, World's Finest 50% gender-swapped. Are we going to bring back a Bruce Wayne at some point? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Would you like me to explain to you the, the premise of Superman and Lois? Well, I think it's, it seems like Superman saves the day. Lois reports on some news. No. No. No, it does not. So, uh, the series will actually focus on them leaving Metropolis and living at the Kent farm to raise their twin sons. So it's set in Smallville. It's not set in Metropolis. They're not at the Daily Planet. It seems like the pilot episode will follow them leaving the Daily Planet and leaving Metropolis behind to live out in the country and take over Kent farm. And instead, the action will be based very much there. They've cast Lana Lang and her husband and her teenage daughter. Um, there are, it seems it's more of a grown-up Smallville that will focus more on how Clark and Lois are the heroes that they are whilst being parents. Interesting. How, how old are the twins going to be? I don't know. This is um, They have cast... Uh, actors to play the twins um, but I haven't actually I have to admit looked at that to try and figure that out just because it then confuses me about timing considering they had babies baby in Crisis on Infinite Earths yeah should a baby should a baby should a yes. now there's going to be two of them so that's that's obviously a post-crisis shift is that they've got kids um, rather than child, a child but if they're older we're presumably jumping into the future slightly i don't know we shall have to wait and see are we saying that kryptonians age quicker yeah because we can't because then it would be different for clark and for uh, for lana for kara so it's gonna be very interesting to see i yeah i i like tyler hecklin but i'm i'm not sure that his version of superman can anchor a series but i'm more than game to be um surprised by it and have my opinions changed I think pre-crisis, I would have said he, he definitely could because I loved his appearances in Supergirl. But during crisis, having him up against Brandon Ruth, Ruth, that and that didn't hurt his that hurt his case <laughs> because Actually, Brandon is just is Superman because he's just Superman. He he was oozing soups. Yep, all the soups, minestrone. <laughs> That's a soup, not a suit. Uh, okay, so I would love to know, or we would love to know, should I say, what you think about this. So if you are feeling sad about not having the DC TV shows on the CW until early 2021, or if you're kind of feeling like it'd be nice for them to take a break, to give them a bit of a creative refresh, 
I mean, in theory, this extra time gives them more time to write their next seasons, meaning they could have much tighter stories just because they're given more time to be able to produce the scripts. If you look at season one of Buffy, that was a mid-season replacement, all 13 episodes were written before they started shooting. Imagine DC having the chance to be able to do that before they start shooting these shows. They could be much tighter stories. But let us know what your opinions are. We always like to hear from you. You can comment on any of the posts on the website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, also at getyourcomicon. You can find me at Neil Vag and Martin at boywonder1989. The one show that we didn't talk about that's coming back to our screens is... Doom Patrol. Yes, uh, well, that's a good point, actually. I didn't put that on the list of things to talk about, but Doom Patrol is premiering on DC Universe and HBO Max on June 25th of this year. Very exciting. Yes. Now, I feel like I need to rewatch Doom Patrol because I don't remember them being tiny at the end of the season. Were they tiny at the end of the finale? Because they were all tiny at the beginning of this new season and they've got to learn to grow up metaphorically and physically because they've all been shrunken. Oh, I can't remember. Were they inside? They were inside a giant cockroach. Did the cockroach get shrunk and were they still inside it? What happened? I think we need to watch again. The thing I remember most is that they filmed the Chief's daughter. That was the thing I got really excited about. Yes. But she's a big part in the comic. And she is mentioned in the synopsis for season two. She has been cast. Uh, She's going to be a very big part of it. Look at me going to iTunes and typing in Doom Patrol. Think about that. Uh, very excited about that one. There's a lot of people that are confused about the fact that it. some of the advertising says HBO Max and some of it says DC Universe. It is simultaneously casting on both. If you are a member of DC Universe, you will have access to it at the exact same time as anybody who is a member of HBO Max will be able to. In the UK, I would presume it will show on Stars Play, uh, which is where the first season has just recently wrapped up. That was shown back in January. Um, so I presume it will be on there, but we will confirm that news when we have it. Another DC Universe show that is finding some new light. We could say that it's uh, it's it's germinating from the darkness. Is Swamp Thing. Sprouting. <laughs> Swamp Thing is coming to the CW in September, October time and will air Tuesdays at 8pm. I'm a, I'm a little wary about this but it's cool at the same time so the cw is part owned by warner brothers part owned by cbs and the way the contract works is that the network is um kind of honor bound to pick up shows from both studios streaming platforms and things like that but they also have to do it in a kind of 50 50 way so if they pick up something from cbs then in theory the next thing they should probably pick up from warner brothers so that there is a fair spread between the two networks because obviously they're big companies on their own and they don't want the network to become too balanced towards one or the other. Although I would really suggest that the number of DC shows means it's quite Warner Brothers balanced, but hey-ho. So they have picked up Swamp Thing, all uh, 10 episodes that were shown on DC Universe back in May 2019. Feels like decades ago. And it will air weekly on Tuesdays from uh, from September, October time at 8pm. Now, I wonder how much they will need to cut for an 8pm. I'd imagine quite a lot. Or at least some of the gore, anyway. You're not going to see, like, hand in the blender kind of stuff, are you? No, or, like, leaves. Turtle soup! (laughs) Or I'm, like, getting torn apart by a branch and stuff. Yeah, so it's going to be, I guess, a slightly sanitised version of Swamp Thing. But there's nothing to say that... 
So the way that, the way the deal works is that they have the rights to show it on broadcast and on their own streaming service. So CWC will probably also have the uncut versions, maybe. So it's I don't know. People CWC, like that's their they've got their own streaming platform. Yeah. God, there's too many streaming platforms. That's where um the animated Constantine was, the animated uh, Vixen series, and the one on uh, based on Russell Tovey's character from Earth X, mm-hmm. uh, the Ray. He had his own animated uh, series as well. It's a double-edged sword because it'll be a shame to see it being cut slightly from where it was originally. But it's amazing that it's going to get opened up to a new audience of people that wouldn't have seen it before. I mean, it is available on Blu-ray in America. Um, likewise, it's available on Amazon Prime here. I don't think it's been released on Blu-ray here. But it's it's going to open it up to a new audience. And the, the head of the CW has obviously been now been asked a million times, even though this news has only been out for a week. Are you going to make new episodes? Is there going to be a season two? Season two? Season two Swamp Thing! Woo! Save Swamp Thing! Uh, and he has said, look, we have the 13... Well, should have been 13 episodes. 10 episodes. We will show those. If, for some reason, it's a like runaway success, then we will have a conversation with Warner Brothers about whether they want to continue it. But that's not a conversation that they have had. I mean, it'd be exciting if they did, but at the same time, I'm slightly anxious that it becomes two CW. Yeah, that's and that's the thing that a lot of people have said is actually, if Swamp Thing was now to continue, would it be too sanitized, or would it be one of this? We can say, well, JJ, you're doing a Justice League Dark for HBO Max. Just... Why don't you just pick up some of the characters from Swamp Thing? Yeah, like they did with Constantine by seeding him. Huh? See the joke there, seeding yes, him yes. into Legends. We could then seed. Swamp Thing into Justice League Dark because he is a member of Justice League Dark. And Matt Ryan has now said that he would very much uh, like to have the chance to play Constantine in Justice League Dark if he's included. He said he would be upset if he wasn't even allowed to audition for the role. I would presume he shouldn't even have to audition for Constantine. He is Constantine, but you know. I didn't ask him that. I was too scared to ask him that in case Gary shouted at me. Yeah, there was. Yeah, I wanted to ask him about King King Shark, which will come up in a minute. But um, I, yeah, I thought I'd get in trouble for that. Stepping away from DC for uh for a brief moment, we also have some very exciting news for Star Trek fans, which has come out in the last couple of days. Which is the news that CBS are have officially greenlighted and are actively getting ready to produce a new series called Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. This series will focus on uh, Anson Mount's Christopher Pike, who was introduced in season two of Discovery, as well as number one, played by Rebecca Romain. And also the... Number one. Interesting. Also the voice of Lois Lane in the film that we're just about to talk about. Uh, And Ethan Peck as Mr. Spock. We understand that the idea of this series is to be something a little bit more um, optimistic, says Akiva Goldsman, who is co-creator... and also something that is a little bit more episodic. So they are planning to step away from the more serialised nature of Discovery and Picard and do something that's a little bit more in the vein of classic Trek. And there was a really good quote from Akiva Goldsman, which you can read over on the website on my story about this. But he said in an interview with Variety, it's going to be, so his exact quote was, it's going to be optimistic and episodic. And then he elaborated on it by saying it would be more like classic series. And he said it'll be more like the original series, um, and next gen and voyager he said even more so closer to the original series than say uh deep space nine which did become well that that did become serialized because of the the dominion war and all the other bits and pieces so clearly it's going to feel like something a bit more classic trek 
did he say that the Seers also have a captain, unlike Deep Space Nine? Oh, <laughs> he was a captain. Oh, we're not going to have this argument. Um, did you enjoy these characters in in Discovery season two? Are you? How do you feel about them having their own show and it being a thing that will be set on the same Enterprise from Captain Kirk's first, you know, from the original series and those kinds of the, the original Trek? How do you how do you feel about this piece of news? Yeah, I mean it's great. I mean it's exciting. I think. It's exciting, but at the same time, I can also feel the internet getting really angry, being like, why are you messing around with the past again? Because wasn't that the whole problem with Discovery, that nobody liked them messing around with the timeline? Interestingly, to be honest, from what I've seen, it's an entirely positive reaction to this. People absolutely seem to adore these characters and think it's a great idea. I suppose the thing with this is, in, 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 in being different to Discovery, is that it's an actual piece of Star Trek history that already existed. Yeah. What did you not say to me that there was 10 years of Pike yes, so on the Enterprise before Kirk anyway? Can Canonically, love that word, use that word a lot this week. I don't there, think I could say that word. There is around a decade where Christopher Pike was the captain of the Enterprise before Kirk took over. And it's not something that's really been documented all that much outside of the odd sort of comic book and novel and stuff like that. It's not like it's ever been a series based on that or a movie based on that. You've seen bits of Pike as captain here and there, but it is an, an actual established part of Star Trek history that they're planning to explore. Whereas like when they went back and did Enterprise, the, the series Enterprise, that was a new part of history and Discovery was a new part of history. So it's sort of, I don't know, there's, there's, there's a perceptible... Not sure that's a word. Difference between exploring a piece of actual Star Trek franchise history and introducing a new part of history, I guess. But it seems to be widely su- successful. I don't know. It's not out yet. Uh, widely accepted. Well, I'm excited for it. We don't know when it's going to air yet. Obviously, they they can't produce anything. They, uh, as far as we understand, they're working on things like set design, prop design, and trying to decide what it will look like. They've got an already established set from the Enterprise that we saw in Discovery, but they may well, I guess, augment some of that a little bit now that it's going to be exposed a lot more heavily for its own series. But it's something that will be coming soon. So that is the um, fifth series, I think, that CBS All Access is working on. Because you've got Discovery about to go into Season 3. They've just announced that uh, Jeff Russo has just started scoring it. So at the point now where there's episodes that he can actually orchestrate his score to, so they're nearly ready to start airing. You've got Section 31, which is still in development, which would star, um, I was going to call her Captain Georgiou, Emperor Georgiou, whatever you want to call her, the alternate universe version. You've got Picard, getting ready to produce Series 2. Lower Decks, which airs later this year, which is the animated kind of adultish comedy. Now, they've confirmed that that is set not long after um, Nemesis. So that is very much in a in a future where the Enterprise E is still around, Picard's still the captain of the Enterprise, and it's shortly after the events of Nemesis. And then, obviously, you've now got Strange New Worlds as well. So that's exciting. A lot to come from the Star Trek universe at this point in time. So Star Trek is well and truly back. Yes, despite what certain corners of the internet would like you to think, uh, Star Trek is absolutely here to stay in televisual form. It is not cancelled, it's not axed, it's not dying, um, or whatever else these very strange racist homophobic people in certain corners of the internet would like to say about woke star trek you might say it's beamed back into our lives at maximum warp absolutely all right 
let's move on to our big movie review for this week. Okay, so this week we are talking about the culmination of something ridiculous like 14 years worth of storytelling from the DC animated movie universe with the release of Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Should we play the Super Friends at home a little clip from the film? A wee clip. Justice League. We are facing an existential threat to the planet. Our only option is to destroy Darkseid. Bow before me. A global war means everyone on the planet is at risk. Justice League Dark Apocalypse War is directed by Matt Peters and Christina Soter. Writing credits are uh, screenplay by Ernie Altbacher and story by Margaret Scott. The film stars... Get ready, because I'm going to have to... Well, give us, like, the top cast. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. We'll do it in order of from IMDb, because there's quite a lot of them. So, we have Roger Cross as John Stewart slash Swamp Thing. Rosario Dawson as Wonder Woman. Christopher Gorham as The Flash. Camilla Luddington as Zatanna. Shima Moore as Cyborg. Jerry O'Connell as Superman. Jason O'Mara as Batman. Matt Ryan as John Constantine. Stuart Allen as Damian Wayne slash Robin. Ray Chase as Etrigan. John DiMaggio as King Shark slash Trigon. Tessa Farmiga as Raven. Liam McIntyre as Captain Boomerang. Tony Todd as Darkseid. Rebecca Romaine as Lois Lane. Hayden Welch as Harley Quinn. And Rain Wilson as Lex Luthor. I will stop there and breathe. And it should actually, I have to say, uh, just because of the number of times that he was mentioned by uh, by people that we interviewed about this film, um, we should also mention that it is produced by the absolutely amazing James Tucker, who has masterminded, uh, albeit I think accidentally, if you hear him explain it, this whole animated movie universe. I say accidentally because if you um, if you see any of the interviews he's done to promote this film, lots of people have obviously said, you know, how did you come up with the way this whole arc has gone from justice league war through throne of atlantis to the some of the solo films like death and reign of superman uh, into um batman hush and then through into this film and he basically said um uh, we didn't really it just sort of we made a film and it did really well and then we made another one and it went really well and it just sort of built very naturally from there i'd also like to give a big shout out to the uh, composer of this film frederick weedman because i think this film has a really good score and i'm dying to get my hands on the album so just before we start yes you were getting very distressed distressed is distressed the word frustrated slightly ir- irritated maybe was i um because you because you're asking me what's your favorite film in this series and i was seeing films that weren't part oh, of the continuity okay. so that do you want me to explain the continuity and you're like oh my god that's not part of continuity <laughs> so dc has released somewhere in the region of 40 animated films if you go all the way back to superman um doomsday that was kind of the first one that was when they did their first uh we're gonna we're gonna make a film it's gonna be outside the continuity of like betas and superman and justice league and stuff and it's gonna be director director to, to, to dvd and then there's gonna be more that's gonna come after that and then you had like uh, gotham knights you had uh first flight from green lantern 
Uh, there was the 2009 Wonder Woman. There's been a whole bunch of those standalones. And then back in 2011, that's a guess, um, we had... Um, well, there's a bit of a grey area as to where the, the universe actually starts. So you had Flashpoint Paradox. I forget exactly which year Flashpoint Paradox was now off the top of my head. But that film had a post-credit scene that teased what then happened in Justice League War. And then Justice League War was... It doesn't quite have the same cast as um, as Apocalypse War. The, the voice cast didn't quite come together for a couple of films. But Justice League War is the first one in the continuity that follows through some, but not all, of the films that follow. So when you, if you think about like uh, Death and Reign of Superman, uh, that obviously fit in with the continuity. They updated it to include things like Damian Wayne's Robin and the Teen Titans. Um, ooh, Teen Titans uh, versus Justice League was also obviously part of one part of it, and um, Judas Contract and stuff like that. And then you had Batman Hush again, which was updated to uh, to include Damian and fit in with the wider continuity. So there are. Depending on how you look at it, there basically there's like 11 core films that are part of the continuity. I think it's 14 or 15 when you include things like Flashpoint Paradox that isn't fully but is now referenced in this film. And well. Constantine's side film as well um, isn't brought in specifically. None of the other characters are in it, but um, it's Matt Ryan's Constantine, so it's still kind of classed as part of the universe. And they are separate to things like uh, Red Sun, which came out recently, and like Gotham by Gaslight. So there is, there's like two strings to DC's animated movies, which are the standalone Elseworldsy types, and then the continuity ones. So this film is the end of that continuity. Uh, that's that's not necessarily a spoiler for me to say that. We won't give away a huge amount of the context as to how and why the universe is is wrapped up in this. Um, but this is the end of um, these actors voicing these characters. And I will quote Gary for now, um, and like this style of animation for this continuity and this these designs of these characters. That was quite a long explanation. <laughs> I was going to say to you, was that me being succinct or was that me doing me and telling you in a very long-winded way? But it's okay because we're in lockdown, so we've not got a lot of time for anything else. No. Okay, so the story of this film is, um, I, I, if you read the synopsis on IMDb, this is, this is, the, this is verbatim what IMDb says. A sequel to Justice League Dark, open brackets, 2017, close brackets, involving Jack Kirby's New Gods. I don't feel that that is a particularly um, explorative synopsis for this film. I mean, it's not wrong. No, it's not wrong. Uh, it just doesn't really tell you anything, does it? Which is good, because then you're you're going to be surprised. So essentially, this film brings together the Justice League, the Justice League Dark, the Teen Titans, and the Suicide Squad to go up against Darkseid. It's probably the best way to explain it. Yeah. How do you feel about the story of this film? This is an original rather than a direct adaption from the comics. Um, so tell me a bit about how you responded to Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War, or as you called it in your interview with Matt Ryan, Justice League's Dark. Yeah. Justice League's Dark Apocalypse. Well, I was anxious, all right? I mean, there was Gary, there was Matt Ryan... I was like a... There was technology issues. There was technology issues. There was a PR girl phoning me. I'm not used to dealing with all these people. I just turn up and talk. What, what was the question? How do I feel? How did you react to the story? How do you feel about the story of this film? Oh, oh yeah, it was all right. <laughs> I feel like there's more for you to say than that. I was very excited. Anything with Justice League Dark, I'm all over it like a rash. 
<laughs> That's true, actually. Um, so I was incredibly excited. And I was very, even more excited the fact that it was a, an original storyline. Therefore, it was un, un, uninhibited by hopes of a graphic novel that would link back adaption. to it. Adaption. Can I get the word there? What did you think? Yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I do think, and I had this conversation with um, with Ernie Altbacker in our interview, um, that there are... Did I? Or maybe it was Chris Gorham. It's hard. It's just all the interviews have melded into one in my head. Because it's just well, we'll never know if it was Chris. Stress. Um, I mentioned about uh, how I feel I react differently to the original stories, to the adaptions. Um, that I feel like I... I go into an adaption hoping to see certain things from it from the original and how they translate to animation whereas when i see one of the original ones i just go into it excited that it's going to be a really cool story um and i i feel like this was and one thing i think about this film is when you consider it's only um 90-ish minutes there are what like i don't know wild stab in the dark somewhere between 20 and 30 lead roles and yet it feels really nicely balanced between does now feel like a good time to uh, to have a chat with ernie altbacker who yes, yes, co-wrote this one okay okay so uh ernie uh, wrote a number of um films in the dc animated universe he was also uh, a writer on um batman hush silencio yes for some reason our itunes refers to it as batman silencio uh, he also worked on the TV series Justice League Action. Uh, he's worked on Teen Titans, The Judas Contract, Justice League Dark, the film as well, uh, Green Lantern, the animated series. He is he's well steeped in the uh, in the DC universe, and I had a wonderful time chatting to him about this film and uh, and DC in general. So have a listen to him, and we will be back in a few minutes. Well, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, how are you doing? How are you? Uh, you know, are you keeping safe in these weird and wonderful times we're living in? Uh, yes, I am. Thanks for asking. But really, for a writer it, who's usually in their writing holes anyway, <laughs> my life is remarkably similar. So that's a sad fact of my life. <laughs> it's funny, I've been watching lots of interviews with comic book writers and stuff like that. And it, it's a similar theme that comes through is that, you know, you, you kind of the interviewer asked that question to just say, you know, how are you doing? How are you coping with all of this at the moment? It, all this weirdness. And it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, this is it's quite normal. <laughs> I know it's, uh, well, it's definitely crazy. Interesting, interesting times. It certainly never happened yeah. before. Well, first of all, I just wanted to say congratulations on this film. I, I've so I've now watched it three times, and I still can't quite get my head around the number of characters that are actually in this film from across this whole franchise. It's unbelievable. Can you tell me a bit about the development oh. process for the the script and working with Margaret Scott on the on the story for this? Um. Uh. Well. Yeah. Uh. You know, it's a fantastic and uh, all credit goes to James Tucker. Um, he doesn't like calling it the Tuckerverse, but really his <laughs> fingerprints are all over it. And 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 he he did kind of an endpoint here and, and really pulled a lot of different stuff. Now, I worked on four of these. Um, actually, Margaret and I didn't work together. Okay. She, uh, she did write the story, 
and um, and she wrote the first draft and then went off to do something else. And I came in and I, I wrote the last four drafts. Oh, okay. So um, that's that's the way that's the way that went. Um, but certainly we both wrote it. You know, even though we didn't have a co-write. Yeah. People don't get that about the 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 credits. If you see it separated by spelled out a and b and it means you didn't work together uh, if it's an ampersand the symbol for and that means they're a team or you did work together okay that's that's interesting to know actually because that was that was something that i wanted to make sure i didn't kind of start asking you questions that were completely out of your involvement with the film but in terms of the the drafts oh yeah you were working no i'm a, you know like we kind of yeah like i i came in that there was a script yeah. And then they wanted to spin it in kind of a different direction. Okay. So, um, you know, there, there was the, I, I guess it was just like, we want more of the Justice League dark stuff, more of it, you know? So, like, I added Etrigan, ah, right? Um, okay. And, and did, did a couple things like that, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, it just, just, up, up the creep and the Justice League dark elements of it. That's really interesting. So is that an area of the DC universe that you would, you would say is really, really interesting to you? Oh, yes. I love Justice League dark. Um, Got to give a little shout out for J.M. DeMattis, who wrote the, the comic. And, um, and he also wrote a Constantine City of Demons, which I thought was fantastic. But he knows the characters really well, too. Um, he and I share story credit on the first Justice League Dark. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I wrote the, the screenplay on that one. Um, but Constantine's probably my favorite character to write. Was it with, with kind of the, the story that you were working with and the way you worked it up to the final version, was it difficult to strike a balance with such a huge cast of characters? Uh, you know, that's one of those things, and, and it's kind of, you can compare it to um, spinning plates, right? Yes. You've got you to gotta look at them, and then it's like, oh, that one on the end is not looking too good, you know? <laughs> so it's like, let's get a scene with those characters, right? You, it's, it's a mix. It's a delicate mix. You don't want to forget about the characters, uh, any of them, and you want to keep dragging them forward in some sort of arc. Um, but, you know, with, with the, the actors that they cast in these things, and I love Matt Ryan. I think he's the only Constantine, and he just does so well. So knowing that he's going to be doing it, uh, I, you know, I could just hear the lines in my head. Yeah. Before I actually heard the final product, I'm like, "Oh, he's gonna, he's gonna really give this like a little, uh, you know, knock this thing out of the park, man. If I get the right the right wording of this line, it's gonna be awesome, you know." <laughs> I think the thing with him is, it's almost like the Kevin Conroy effect with Batman. Whenever I read Constantine, I hear Matt Ryan. He just he. Oh yeah, character. yeah, I can see that. I mean, for a full generation, because he was the live-action Constantine on the TV show that should have never been cancelled. <laughs> I love that show. I totally agree with you on that one. And long may he reign in Legends of Tomorrow as well. Right, Legends. He was on Arrow, too, I remember. And yep. I think Batwoman. I watch all of these things. <laughs> I, I like them. I, I like them all. I watch the 
all the universe was sorry that Gotham went, you know, like. It's a great universe, and uh, yeah, well, I mean, we are huge DC fans here, so we absolutely live for all of this stuff. Uh, Something which really interests me as a fan of these films and of the comic books as well is how I react differently when it's an original story compared to one of the, the films that adapts something from the comics. So I know you worked on Batman Hush, which was a, a brilliant adaption. And obviously this, with Justice League Apocalypse War, is more of an original story. As a writer, how do you approach the different types of stories differently? Is it something that you approach differently? Well, it is. You know, and I love I love both, both ways of doing it. In the adaptation, you're usually looking at some great source material. With Hush, yeah. it was the very best source material you know the only problem is you don't have enough time to do 12 episodes of comic right in 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 a in a 72 minute you know what they always tell us is going to be 72 minutes if you get more than that it's gravy i think hush was 80 and this one's 90 yeah you know so so we're, we're real fortunate everybody's yeah i've read a couple things where it's like it's the rushed and it should have been a two-parter i'm like yeah i would have loved if it was a two-parter we had this much time we had 72 minutes which james somehow stretched into 90 be thankful you have 90 minutes you know um so i'm sorry get to the other side Oh, is it? Okay, great so so my um, point with that was just it it feels well balanced within the runtime Right, it feels like a real feature, right? Yes. That that like a, a almost a live action feature with with everything, all the stakes and people are calling it end gamey and and I didn't it, it wasn't in my mind when I was working on it, but I see it, you know, I see it. Although sometimes people go, Well they they just they just took all their inspiration from Endgame. It's like my last draft, I looked this up in case someone asked me. I handed it in July of 2018. Ooh. So part two, when we knew all the stuff with Endgame, was out around May the 4th, right? They, they always did, did it on Star Wars Day. Um, 2019. Yeah. So I was starting, I started six months before that, or three, three or four months before. I, I can't, I, I don't remember how fast it, it came together. On the originals, it's great because you get to try and figure out something really cool and maybe you, you look for something that, that hasn't been done before or a pairing that hasn't been done. And the adaptations are wonderful because I love the, like when I did Teen Titans, the Judas contract, I remember reading that as a kid and going, <laughs> this is great. And then I actually like knew Marv Wolfman, right? And I'm like, oh my god, now I'm doing it! I'm actually <laughs> adapting his work. You That's know? amazing. Um, yeah, no, it's fun. So I like both of them. I just like writing, and I like writing in this sandbox. It's fun. It's a brilliant sandbox to be in. So that was my chat with Ernie. Um, if he's listening, hey, Ernie. Uh, it was it was such a pleasure to talk to him. It was it was really cool. That was that was of the interviews that I'd done. So he was kind of in the middle. Uh, I interviewed Jason O'Mara first, and that was my first ever telephone interview with somebody on this sort of level that I'm not you know friends with. And then uh, I interviewed Ernie, and then uh, Chris came last. And Ernie, I have to say, was the one I felt the easiest 
about and the least nervous and probably the one that i vibed with the most which was actually really cool so he made me feel very at ease um he was a great interviewee and i hope i was a good interviewer for that one so let's talk about characters in this film um off the top of your head favorite constantine <laughs> as if you would say anything else um I'm not sure. Hide yourself there. I, I no, I'm not sure who my favourite character is. I think there's almost too many to choose from. What? Oh, I didn't even ask you. Well, well, I'm doing, I'm volunteering that information. Obviously, you would expect me to choose Batman, but I feel because of where he's placed in this film, he's possibly not my favourite character. He's not very nice, is he? No, but I do love the scenes between him and Damien. Um, which uh, is something that Jason O'Mara spoke to me about kind of at length when we did our interview. So maybe this is now the occasion to throw to that one so you can hear all about it. Because um, there's some really emotional stuff that he gets to do with Damien. And he, he was explaining to me that um, a lot of that story has paralleled some of his relationship with his son just because they're similar ages. Uh, it's so difficult to choose a favourite character. Well, I think you've already just, you've just picked Batman in a round a bit way, haven't you? <laughs> he's not really my favourite, but I really enjoyed the scenes with Damien and... All the emotions and stuff. All right, all right. Whilst we argue about who my favourite character in this film is, then why don't you listen to my interview with Jason O'Mara? Hey, Neil. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing in these kind of weird and wonderful days that we're living in at the moment? You know, uh, still trying to figure it all out. I've been taking the quarantine quite seriously, so yeah. I haven't been out much. So some days are better than others. I do, I do a bit of work with... Uh, November, which is a men's charity, and um, I just wrote a piece for them about you know staying sane in these weird times. Yeah. So I think it's important to have a morning routine that you can rely on and uh, build a sort of a structure for your day and give yourself a, a sense of purpose. Uh, particularly for guys, you know, we need to reach out to others and tell people what's really going on instead of just like, "Hey, I'm good. How you doing?" It's like, well, actually, you know, I'm not good. This sucks, and I wouldn't mind talking about it. <laughs> so that's that's, that's so true. Um, for other guys during this weird quarantine time. And uh, if anyone wants more information, they can check out the Movember website. That's uh, that's such an important thing to say in a time like this, actually. And it's something that some of us podcasters have been trying to do as well. We've been sharing a lot of, between us kind of male podcasters, we've been trying to share pictures of how our days are going and kind of just checking in with each other more than you would normally, just because it, like you say, it's so different. So important. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Justice League Dark, Apocalypse War. I, I have watched it twice already, <laughs> and I still don't think that I've managed to process everything that happens in this film, or everyone that's in it. I mean, it's yeah. such an epic way to just bring all the characters from all of these animated movies across the last few years together. Um, but kind of focusing on, on you and Batman... Tell us a bit about where we find him at the beginning of this film and a bit about his role in the story of Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Uh, obviously, there's a lot I can't say because... Yep, uh, definitely. If I gave any kind of synopsis, I'd be spoiling the story. And, <laughs> and there is so much, like you said, you've seen it twice, you said, and taken it all in. There's so much story in this. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about it is the way it, it twists and turns and surprises and shocks. Um... You know, Batman is, is um, essentially classic Batman at the beginning, bringing the Justice League together against um, its greatest enemy and foe, uh, Darkseid. And it's going to take the Justice League, Justice League Dark, um, 
Teen Titans, Suicide Squad. It's going to take all of these groups to to battle Darkseid. And and Darkseid has some pretty um, malevolent plans and methods in order to infiltrate these groups and turn some of uh, the heroes against each other. So um, that's you know it's 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 apocalyptic um, in the extreme. It is the epic conclusion to all of these um, to, to, to the series of movies. And um, you know, in terms of Batman's involvement, his you know what's been really important to his storyline throughout this is his relationship with his son Damien. And that will also come to a head and be, be tested um, in this movie. So, yeah, it, it's got everything. <laughs> it, re- it really does have absolutely everything. I mean, you touched on it slightly there, but you've been playing Batman now for uh, 11 movies. So does finding that that voice and that trademark kind of Batman personality feel like second nature to you at this point? Or how do you kind of go about getting into that headspace that you kind of go from being Jason to being Bruce slash Batman? It's got easier over the years. Uh, obviously, I have to not only find a bat voice, but, you know, I also have to you know, find, you know, the American version of that bat voice. True, yeah. I'm like I'm putting on an American accent, but I want it to sound very natural, uh, as Bruce and as Batman. So it was a challenge early on, and, and obviously you take on an iconic character like this, it's fraught with, uh, you know, you don't want to, if you're chosen to other people's territory, you know, and, and so many great actors have played the character over the years. Um, and, and everyone, you know, I'm so influenced by everybody, every actor who's played him. So I had to really leave that at the door and try to sort of, you know, forget the fact that it's that he's iconic and try to find my own version of this character. And I think the thing that my, my way in was the fact that he's a father. And so am I. And my son was more or less the same age as Damien, supposed to be in uh, in Son of Batman. And, okay, yeah. You know, as Damien grew up in the series, my own son grew as well. He's 16 now. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that really gave me a sense of ownership and uh, felt like I could bring my, bring my own unique qualities to the role, uh, which would... As a result, you know, the outcome would be, hopefully, that I would put my own stamp on it and uh, have my own little corner of the DC universe. Um, not least, you know, this is, this is it for me. This is my last outing as Batman. Um, it's the last film of this series, and it's my last performance as Batman, and I'm glad that we're going out with, with a bang. Absolutely. I, there, there is, if, I can't actually think of a better way to... Uh, to put a stamp on it really than than the story that is this this big kind of thinking back over those you know those films uh, that you've done now at this point how do you feel like he's grown and do you, uh, I guess what I'm trying to think is the way that the continuity between all these films has kind of been knitted together do you feel like you've had a chance to really show a Batman that has grown over this uh, these 11 films yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've been I've been given opportunities to bring every aspect of Batman to bear, um, depending on the film. 
you know, um, obviously there have been films that were family heavy and focused on relationship with Damien, particularly early on where you had that sort of trilogy within a series of Son of Batman, yes, um, Batman versus Robin, and Batman of Bad Blood. That in particular, I really enjoyed because it was uh, um, a pretty um, defined story arc for Batman and the people closest to him. But there have also been um, there have also been films that that uh, that give a nod to the overarching storyline, but are not standalone Batman movies, like all the Justice League yep. movies. Uh, the Teen Titans movie in there. Um, Justice League Dark was kind of on its own, uh, and then you have Batman Hush, which was really uh, a standalone, a big standalone Batman movie from yeah. last year, and that. That for me is probably the most special because I was such a big fan of the original um, comic book and graphic novel that you know to be given a chance to um, uh, be the bat- the voice of Batman for that um, adaptation was a huge honor and um, I'm just grateful uh, that uh, you know James Tucker and Gary and the gang uh, kept bringing me back and we found ways to keep the continuity and, and found ways to have me keep coming back as the character, even when he had a small role in something like Death of Superman, we always found a way to um, keep the continuity, which is harder than it sounds because, you know, you're talking about six or seven years of scheduling yeah. and uh, um, different levels of involvement and scripts and availability and, you know, I've been far-flung reaches of the world um, filming uh, stuff so uh, I, I'm really proud that we were able to keep it going for so many films and essentially for the entire series and I hope one day I'm sure there will be because <laughs> uh, it won't be lost on uh, Warner Brothers home video but you know I hope one day there's a compendium of these films a the big box set that you can sit down and watch from beginning to end in order and binge it like like a, an epic I can't imagine what it would be like to sit down and binge all of them back to back like that. Actually, it it will just it's such an epic yeah, storyline. Each one is about eighty to ninety minutes. So yeah, we should be talking about twenty something hours, twenty-seven hours or something. Well, if there was ever a time to do it, it would be now while we're all stuck indoors. Yeah, true, true. And once this uh, once this movie comes out on Tuesday. You can essentially, you could probably do that. <laughs> you could, you could. In order. I guess without trying to veer too much into sort of spoiler territory on this one, was there any particular moment that was your favourite in this film, or maybe there was a character that you've not really had chance to interact with before that you have this time around that you particularly enjoyed? Um, I personally loved seeing. I loved seeing. Um, all of the groups in it, like I love seeing like Suicide Squad and Teen Titans and Justice League, Justice League Dark, you know, all the all those characters um, and sort of interacting with each other. I thought that was really cool. But you know, for me, I'm I'm always going to come back to the same thing where you know this this character, this this version of Batman is defined by his relationship with his son. So um, there is a um, you know, the climax to this film, which is 
in itself a climax of the entire series. There's, there are some beautiful scenes between Batman and Robin, uh, Bruce and Damien, and that they would probably be you know, the heartfelt, the dramatic, and they would probably be my favorite in the movie. And I feel like we earn them too. Oh yeah, there's absolutely. Lots of action, there's lots of fighting, there's lots of explosions, there's everything <laughs> you can expect out of a DC animated universe superhero movie, but there's also some very human moments. And as an actor, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to be fond of those. I completely agree. the The scenes between uh, Bruce and Damien are excellent in this film. They are the fans are going to absolutely love it when they get to see it. I hope so. So I know you said that this is your your last outing as Batman, but a bit of a what if question. If you were, if you know, in a few years' time, Warner Brothers call up and say, "Hey, do you want to do just one more, just one last go around as Batman?" Was there anything in particular, anything from the comics or anything from the history of Batman that you can think of that you've not done that you'd like to do? Before you answer, I'm saying, uh, yeah, this is his last time. For now. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. That's exactly what we wanted to hear. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, you have to you have to retire in order to come back from retirement. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm retired as far as I'm concerned. And if they if they come up with a a, a script compelling enough or um, or uh, you know something that would change my mind, then. Uh, or, or maybe you know a group of people I'd really want to work with, and that would be a different conversation. But there are no no further plans for this Batman or this series. So, um, not really. I I feel like I've done everything. I was going to say I'm a big fan of the classic villains, so yep. I would love to do something. With you know, I've never I've never uh, the Penguin hasn't been involved yeah. in any of the movies, and. Um, uh, so maybe maybe a few of the other classic Batman villains, but and I wish that you know in, in Batman Hush there's a very limited involvement with with the Joker. Um, yeah, I would love to do more stuff with the Joker because uh, I love the Joker just like most other Batman fans. <laughs> I feel like the Joker defines Batman, and there are two sides of the same coin. Um, I don't think I did much with speaking of two sides of the same coin. I don't think I did much with two. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the classic Batman villains, so I'd love to love to do more with them if I was ever given the chance. Okay. So one more question for me, and you've kind of touched on this already, and, and like we've said, it's difficult to say without spoiling too much of the film, but what can fans expect from Justice League Dark Apocalypse War? What can fans expect? Yep. An epic and thrilling conclusion to um, a, a highly successful DC animated universe continuity of films that will um, satisfy any Batman or DC fan, and um, hopefully we will both uh, we will both conclude and wrap up stories while also leaving people wanting more. Because you always want to go out leaving people wanting more, you know. Any actor or storyteller or filmmaker will tell you that's always the uh, that's always the goal. So I think people will be sad when it's over. I certainly am. 
Definitely. But at the same time, we have to look back on the work that's been done and uh, and and be grateful that it happened. I completely agree. Could not have put it better, and definitely did. It was a sad ending, but an ending that definitely left us wanting more. So I think the perfect way to go. Good. Great. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you so much, Neil. Thanks, guys. See you later. Well, all right. So I think actually maybe Constantine is one of my favourite characters in this film because he does... Oh, no, you can't have him. He's mine. <laughs> well, I didn't realise there was possession over favourite characters. No, I'm only kidding. Um, Damien is also very good. They're all really good characters. Um... I would have, is there anybody that you would like to see more of? Is there any of the people that are kind of not maybe at the very, very forefront of the film that you would like to see more of? I would like to see more of Zatanna, actually. Okay. Because she's got a bit of a raw deal. She certainly did. And how do you feel about um, Constantine and Zatanna, and particularly when he left her behind on Apocalypse? Ah, uh, well, you know, me and my friend Matt, we spoke about this. All right, okay. And what did your friend Matt say about it? Because, you know, he had some interesting thoughts on the relationship between Constantine and Zatanna. Yes. Because, you know, he's such a gent. Uh, and then it's a very, it's very, it's a nice thing. Well, what am I trying to say? It's very typical of their relationship of, so when you see him do what he does, you think, oh, well, that's just Constantine being Constantine. Just a bit of a dick thinking of himself. But actually, it's a lot more complicated than that. I would, I would say that there is a, a very there's a their their relationship is very complicated. Their complicated is very relationship is what I was about to say then. Yeah, that's a very complicated sentence. <laughs> and there is there is a level of emotional complexity to this film for a lot of the characters. Uh, Superman is is even probably the most complex he's been in any of these films, even though he's managed to die and come back to life. Uh, I think there's a lot there's a lot going on there. Is it's it? interesting to see Superman's character because you see a side of Superman that we don't normally see. He's a bit grittier, he's a bit darker, very akin to a Batman-type character. Definitely. And I really like the pairing of Superman and Raven for a lot of this film. Yes, no, I think Raven would be my second favourite character. Really? Yeah. Do tell us more. Not because I've got a Raven t-shirt on today, which I'm loving. Oh yes, actually you are wearing a t-shirt. Let me read this. Uh, Azarath Metrion Zinthos. Um, but no, I quite like this because we got to see the relationship between Raven and Trigon in her head. And when I say in her head, not because she's making it up, but because he's trapped in the in the gem. And then we got to see. Yeah, uh, I like what you did there. Keep up. And then we got to see the the flip side of that relationship between Raven and Damien as well, in that blossoming young romance. Yeah, that was a really interesting part of the story. Um, I wanted to ask you, as an expert on Teen Titans and Justice League Dark, what White Raven was about. Oh yeah, so that show, she does crop up as White Raven in sort of the classic Teen, the new Teen Titans comics. So that's her, like her, I think it's her most strongest form, where she's at like her maximum power. Oh right, okay. Which would, that goes hand in hand with what what happens in the scene when, when she does that in the film. Yeah. It's almost like a cathartic power of power up without mm. going into too into much spoilerific yeah. details okay because it's happened a couple of times in the comics and we it happened in where did it happen again it happened in the the new teen titans run before they got the new characters so when it changed over to damien and yeah. sort of the like banks and lopo's daughter in the the previous run is the romantic connection between damien and raven something from the comic books or is that something more original to the films I'm trying to think. It feels more original to the films 
purely because the age difference in yeah. the current comics, there's quite a difference between the two of them. Oh, yeah, there would be, wouldn't there? Because he's, what, 12, 13? <laughs> yes. And she's probably in her 20s. And she's, what, 17, 16, 17 Okay, fair enough, so yeah. That's that's a bit wrong. That's uh, it's verging on illegal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Is now as good a time as any to listen to you and Matt Ryan have a uh, flirtatious chat about Justice League Dark Apocalypse War? Now, you say it was flirtatious. I don't think it was flirtatious. I think it was just me cacking my pants. <laughs> we will leave it up to the listeners at home to decide, shall we? I'd be very impressed to see how you've edited around this. Because <laughs> I didn't... I I will work my magic. Um, just please. to give you some insight, you, oh, gave me, you gave me six questions and I think I asked one of them. Yes. <laughs> But he, no doubt, is a uh, wonderful interviewee, and having listened to it myself after you were finished talking to him, it was uh, it sounded like a really good chat. So it was, it was a very nice gentleman, and it was my first time. Ah, so Martin, 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 where are you, Martin? Uh, I'm from London. I'm calling from London at the minute. Oh, you're in London, are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm in Swansea, mate. Are oh, you in Swansea? Oh, amazing. What? Um, uh, yeah, I made it back, and then I got uh, uh, a lockdown here, and I'm, I'm lucky because I, I bought a house to rent out and then my brother was renovating it and we got stuck here so it's great we, we've got a house to renovate and uh, it's wonderful thanks for fitting me in I had some technical problems this morning but I'm glad I've been able to make it back in to chat to you um, and I'm glad you've been able to yeah, get back in sure. isolating in your hometown so just yeah, a, yeah me too yeah uh, just a couple of questions for you just about the film so tell us a little bit of about Constantine's role in Justice League's Dark Apocalypse. So when we start out in Justice League's Dark Apocalypse, Constantine is kind of in a, a, a place we don't see him much. He's kind of contented in a way. He's in a relationship with Zatanna, uh, the lovely Zatanna, and, um, you know, he goes along with uh, Zatanna's wishes to kind of uh, assist the Justice League in a problem that they have. And everything goes wrong. And what's interesting is, like, when everything goes wrong, John is someone that normally, when he's involved in some way, takes it on himself. And especially with the circumstances in this movie, he really does go into a place of self-pity, blame. Uh, seeing how many Glenn McGugans he can drink, or Glenn <laughs> Moranges, or Scotches, or what have you, and drowning his sorrows in alcohol. And then he needs a spur, you know? He needs a spur in the case of Clark Kent to motivate him to get his ass in gear and try and like help save the world uh what's interesting about this journey dude is like john takes such such a such a journey such a, a transformation he starts off in a very contented place and then there's an event that catapults him into catastrophe and the world into catastrophe and then you know it, it takes uh, a, a superhero an a, a incapacitated superhero to get into start working again and uh, what I love about the accumulation of the whole 10 years of this AU, this animated universe is with all the powers of the Justice League with Superman and Cyborg and Batman and all these people, you know, they, they, they need John Constantine. I, I, I fucking love that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's great. It's like, oh, where's John? Drinking himself to the shit. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I really love that they have to go to him to, to help catapult this thing forward. And, uh, and it, uh, it's great in the, the universe that they do that with John. And uh, he's, he goes on a real journey. And in the end, you know, we get to a place where John the first time kind of has almost a happy ending and uh mm. and that's nice to see 
Yeah, no, it's great. I loved it because I think Constantine's one of my favourite characters and to have him at the, the core of the film and to save the day over Superman and the rest of the Justice League, I think it's just amazing. Exactly, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, that's what I love him. He's a blue-collar, working-class guy. Do you know what I mean? He drinks too much, he swears too much, he smokes too much. Uh, but, and, you know, and he sacrifices it, but in the end, you get the shit done, man. I, I love it. it. It brings it back to kind of you know, the, the the working man. That's what I love about it. I don't know, being a boy from Wales, it's like, yeah, of course. You you need us too, even though he's a working class tree yeah. name, you know? It's <laughs> I, I love that that is a, a, a linchpin of the accumulation of this 10 years worth of great work that Warner uh, Brothers have done. Yeah, no, definitely. So how does that end? So I know you, so you played, you're almost like the, the definitive Constantine voice and character on live screen and animation. How do you sort of switch between live action and animation? Do you have to sort of change your your thinking or your characterization slightly? Uh, I, I I change the trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> no, so uh, I, I mean, fundamentally, the DNA of the character is, is, is the same. It's funny, like going from the live action uh, Constantine NBC show to then Arrow and then to Legends. You know, like Legends is a completely different style of show. And I was like, oh, my God, are we going to make John Goofy? Or, or is he going to be like... And, and the way they wrote him and the way that he fitted into that, it's, it's really worked for me, you know? Like, uh, in terms of... It's, it's almost like John is one of those characters. He has the Hellblazer series, which is his, his story. But then he pops up everywhere else as well. And the way I see him on Legends is almost as if, like, he's popping up in another comic book. Doesn't mean that he's not still Hellblazer. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I... I love that he can kind of do that and pop up around as well. Yeah. So if you could bring any character from Apocalypse War over over to Legends of Tomorrow, who would it be and why? Oh, man. That's a hard okay, question. Sure. Don't ask easy questions. It, 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 it's a hard question because there's so many and then it's all about the specifics. And then once I go into like uh, microcosms of sport, then I'm like, okay, well, like, would you have Swamp Thing for this? Would you have Zatanna for that? Would you have Batman for this? You know, uh, so I start to think about storylines. But if you just, if I wipe that out of my mind, yeah. so which character would I like to see John be able to play with a lot? Then, and for different reasons, Zatanna won because of the relationship with him, they're both very powerful and, and the conflict that can be there, the love, love and conflict are such a great thing to play, such a great dramatic to push against, you know, when people love each other, but there's also conflict there. So that uh, Zatanna, for that reason, Swamp Thing, because that's where it all began in 1985, you know. And also like Batman, just because the first thing that me playing Constantine ever said to uh, Batman is he, he called him Batsy, and I know it's simple. It's really simple. But it's just John Constantine, like yeah. calling someone up, he, he, having a name, Batsy, you know, calling him the men in tights. You know, I just love that way that that relationship with him and Batman started to kick off. And they're both human, they're both real, and both have huge human struggles and uh, and flaws. And I love the interaction between those two characters. So I'd say those three. But also Raven could be a good character because, yeah, be good. you know what, dude, you get me started with Ruby all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just need to get you over into DC Universe and you get to Titans and Swamp Thing and then we'll solve it all. You can mix them with them all. But the good thing about Constantine is, is yeah, uh, but the good thing about Constantine, even like, you know, the way I'm playing him, 
whether it's on the NBC show, whether it's on Arrow, whether it's on Legends of Tomorrow or anywhere, any other show in any different style, because Legends is a particular style, yeah. I feel that John can pop up anywhere. Yeah. You know, and also he, in, in, a, in a unique way in which characters don't cross over these universes, I think that John Constantine is a character that can and can adapt to the styles of those TV shows as well, you know, uh, or, or movies or, or animation movies or whatever it is, you know, because he's got all the ingredients to that. I'd love to be able to play him yeah. in all those different styles, genres, characters, you know. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Because he's got such a, a wide range of sort of elements to him. Um, is there any sort of, is there any yeah. aspects of his character that you really enjoy sort of exploring or working with, or is there any bits you'd like to look at developing into? Like, oh, I've not looked at that yet. We could develop him in a different way. Uh, in the in the AU in the animated universe. Oh yeah, or even in live or action. In, really. in general, yeah, in general, yeah. Is there any part of him that you've not explored yet? You think, oh, actually, I'd, I'd love to do that and show a different side of him we've not seen yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally, man. Like, 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 I haven't fleshed out or explored the Astro Lord storyline, yeah. albeit it's slightly different to the comics. Like, that was such a, a motivating part of me with his character. The first comic I ever read was Dangerous Habits, and I fell in love with it, you know, the Garth Ennis uh, comic. And, you know, over the years then, I've, I've kind of fleshed out a little of that storyline. And I had a great uh, question earlier on. It's like, so what other one have you hooked on to? And the fact is, I've not really got there yet because I'm kind of just letting that settle. Yeah. But um, what one one character that I find in terms of legends, right? So, so to be, I feel like the, the the relationship this season between Zari 2.0 and John is really interesting. It's almost a bit the tannery in a way where I, I mean, and I don't mean in terms of what the character of Zari is. Uh, but I mean specifically in terms of the way that John feels about her, or at least that's what I feel anyway. Yeah. And, and I know that there was this moment when I was said to, to, to Tala, I was like, oh my God, this is very like Zatanna John. And she was like, what's that? And so I told her about it. And it was really interesting. I, I, I think even though John has had so many lovers and, uh, uh, you know, and all over the years, I think that Zatanna is such a linchpin in terms of his love. And to explore that love in John is yeah. something that would be interesting, you know? Yeah, John yeah. always is self-deprecating, has guilt, has shame, will always sacrifice uh, someone. But kind of taking him now, now that he's kind of good, not uh, John Constantine, never kind of good, right? He drinks yeah. most too much. Uh, and there's demon problems. But like, uh, <laughs> yeah, he just has a slight case of demon problem. Yeah. But, uh, you know, where he is now, it would be great to kind of like, see something where John grows into something different mm. and then it trips back, you know, yeah. and then it's his fault, you know, like really, I, well, do you know what I love to do? When we were doing a live action show, I used to say to the writers, I was like, do you sit there and think, what could we do this week to torture Matt Ryan? Because like every <laughs> week it used to be like, they would be doing something to me, like, oh, I'm covered in blood today, oh, I'm doing it. And I love it, you know, I love it. Oh, but nice. I, I made a joke about it. But there's something about that with me, with John. There's something about, like, I want, I want to, like, set him up so he's okay and then fuck him, yeah. you know, so that he, like, really has to, like, deal with it. Yeah. I want to see John in those positions. I think we all do. That's what we love about him because he's not going to kind of, like, 
use his magic to make everything magically okay. He's going to suffer like a human being. Yeah. And that's what I love about him. Perfect. Okay. Uh, if I've got time, just one last quick question, just to, to wrap it all up. So what would you say to somebody who's never seen this film? Why, why should they go and see it? What, what can fans expect from Justice League Dark Apocalypse War? I would say that if you like movies or stories where people have to step outside of themselves and pull together and face their inner fears to come together to save the world, then this is that movie. And there are so many different characters representing so many different walks of life. Uh, it's got everything you need. It's got action, humour, love, war, disappointment, <laughs> death. So why wouldn't you? Amazing. I'm sold. I've seen it. I mean, I've already seen it twice. I'm going to watch it endless times more. I've I, 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 I seen it three times now. And the, and the funny thing was, like, I've watched a bunch. Once I started doing these uh, uh, movies, I went and started watching them. Gary sent me a bunch of movies, and I was like, oh, I want to get into them. I love them, man. And so uh, when I knew I was doing these things, and I'd seen the movie before, I was like, no, nah, boys, I'm going upstairs. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to watch at least four of the movies just to like get my head back into it, and then I'm going to finish again with this one. And I think, I think as a fan, you know, this isn't me like trying to plug it, but as a fan, man, growing up watching Batman on Saturday morning, you know, in my house in Wales, like, I, I, it's fucking great, man. It's 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 very very satisfying uh, to see it all and to be a part of it. Then as an actor, I'm like, whoa! Like I still pinch myself a little bit. You know, it's great. Amazing. Yeah, well, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us today, um, and good luck with the no the outside drama. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. No worries. You too. Take care. So before we take up too much of the lovely Super Friends time, because, you know, this is quite an epic podcast for us, what were your uh, top three favourite moments in this film? Three? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, can I not just say all of it? No. no. I want specifics from you. Um, I just liked it all. I mean... <laughs> all right, okay. We'll let you say that you just liked it all. I just liked all of it. I mean, there's, there's this action, action, action. There's... Justice League Dark members, there's Swamp Thing being Swamp Thing, there's more action, there's... It's just a thrill ride. Now, actually, one question then. Uh, it is obviously titled Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Do you feel that that, that the storyline lived up to that for the Justice League Dark? Or was it more balanced between all of them? I think it was more balanced between them all. They needed a little bit more magic for it to be a true dark... But I think there was enough of everything to keep everybody happy. Okay. I'm done. Fair what enough. were your top three? And I want specific ones now. You can't be all airy-fairy. Bruce and Damien. Very good. Constantine fight in the pub. Very good. And the Justice League take on the new... Um... Furies. Oh, yeah, that was weird. They scared me a bit. Oh, well, actually, now that's, that's interesting that I've just said that as one of my top three because I would also say... Actually, my out-and-out out favourite moment of the film is the ending, but I just don't want to spoil that for anybody that's not seen it yet. Oh, God, this is now a top four. There's, you know... That's it. That's all I'm saying. I'm being succinct. God, rules mean nothing to you. <laughs> Any moments that you were less keen on? I'm going to say the the very, very end. 
Okay. That ending was a little bit bittersweet, but I can understand why they did it. Okay. Um, now, I, I, like I said, I, I want to be really careful about this because I don't want to spoil it for anybody that's not seen it yet. Um, so, do you mean bittersweet in a... It left you feeling like, oh, God, I want so much more from this universe. This is amazing. Or this didn't feel like the right end for this. Oh, I just want more from the universe. Okay, that's fine. That's... Quite... In, in which case, that's a good thing because it's left you wanting more, which is exactly what they want. So, well, well done. Well played. What about you? I can't pinpoint anything that I would say I was a low point for me. Maybe would have liked a bit more Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, we could all do with a bit more Wonder Woman in our lives. One thing that I will say um, about that ending is if you watch it very, very carefully, the way the world fades to black when it goes to the end credits, the very last thing that you see is the Trinity. Mm. The way the characters are placed in the scene, uh, the way it fades to black is it fades to black around the Trinity. So the very last image that you see is Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman stood together. Favourite cameo? Swamp Thing. You? Batgirl. Was she in it? Yes. Batgirl and Batwoman are both in it. Oh, yeah. I feel bad for her because she was teased at the end of Hush. The end credits of Hush, you saw Batgirl step out of the shadows and that was the first time we'd seen her in this continuity. And she was in her Burnside costume, similar to the one that she's now wearing in the Harley Quinn series. And uh, we've not seen her since. So this was this was it, basically. It was a fight scene and a, and a death scene. Yeah, that's a shame, really, because she needs her own film, really. Oh, all right. Okay. Oh, well, like her own chance to actually yeah. speak and... Have a bit more story, not just yeah, yeah, definitely. Final thoughts on Justice League: Dark Apocalypse War. If you've not seen it, why not? We've watched it four times, <laughs> a lot, um, and it is it's excellent. It is, I would say, it's the perfect bookend to um, to the DC animated movie universe. You've not asked me to tell you what my review said. Oh yeah, what was your little social media review? Did you just belittle me there? No. I said something worse in my head. <laughs> what did you say in your head? I can't say that on, on the ears. I gave this film a 9 out of 10. I said Justice League Dark Apocalypse War is the perfect bookend to the stories which began back in 2014's Justice League War. Poignant, emotional and action-packed to the final moment, it's the perfect send-off to this era of DC direct-to-video filmmaking. God, that's a bit of a tongue-tie, isn't it? DC direct-to-video film. Well, I put the way I wrote it was DC DTV, because it's direct-to-video DTV. It's interesting why we still say direct-to-video. I bet most some listeners out there will be like, what's a video? <laughs> Should it be uh, DT, uh, DT-DVD? DT-BD? But what's a, what's a DVD? <laughs> so DT-BD then? Direct-to-Blu-ray? But then people don't even have a disc anymore, do they? DTS? Direct-to-Streaming? It could be. DTD? Direct-to-Digital? DT4K? Direct-to-4K? <laughs> There's plenty of options these days. It's a bit silly now. Yes. Uh, you give it a 9 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, what would have, what would have switched it up to make it a ten out of ten? I'm just poking holes in your scoring system. Um, honestly, I think maybe a bit more runtime, so maybe allowing it to run to two hours. Um, and it's a terrible strain on the animator's wrist. It is terrible strain on the animator's wrist. <laughs> you nearly slipped into Harley Quinn voice for a second there. It's a terrible, terrible crowd. <laughs> I'm here to report a terrible crime. Um, I think, yeah, giving it a little bit more runtime and allowing uh, a little bit more time for some of those cameo characters like Batgirl that we just mentioned to have a bit more airtime. 
Um, but I absolutely think that if they had done that, as much as in my head I'd want to give that a 10 out of 10, it would probably have made the movie more of an 8 out of 10 because I bet it would feel slightly overlong. All right, then, let's move on. So Scoring we... madness. So we asked you at home to let us know what your favourite moments in the DC animated universe uh, were. But before we get to your responses, Martin, what have been your favourite films or your favourite moments? I don't think I can see them because you're just going to tell me off and say they're not part of the continuity. I'll point out to you if they're not part of the continuity, but every moment is uh, is allowed. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say them just to know, you know, um, under the Red Hood. Not part of the continuity, but yes. Uh, Gotham Knights. <laughs> not part of the continuity, <laughs> but yes. Oh, no. And then obviously all the other ones, so Justice League Dark, part one. All, all of them. All of them. <laughs> all of them. Uh, I mean, you could probably, I mean, I don't have to say them because people know what I'm going to say anyway. So obviously, Batman, Bad Blood. Batman versus Robin. Bad Blood? Batman, Son of Batman. Or Batman. <laughs> what was that one called? Son of Batman. Son of Batman. Batman, not Batman, the son of Batman. This Bat- is why I'm not allowed to name the films. Batman is not the son of Batman. That's just what? That's what? Meta? meta. Essentially, anything that's got the Teen Titans, a Robin, or some Justice League Dark people, and I was all over it. Flashpoint. I really love Flashpoint. Flashpoint is an excellent film. And I um, did that thing that really annoys you. I bought it on my side of iTunes. Yeah, so it's not sitting with the rest of these films on, on iTunes. It's very frustrating. I did that with Justice League War as well. Well. Oh, he didn't know that one. I didn't know that. <laughs> Moving on, what do other people say? I own Justice League War. Oh, well, we both own it now. <laughs> okay, so throwing it open to uh, to the super friends at home. Awkward. So first up, we've got Claire Payne at Gothamite Claire. Hello, Claire. Hello. Who said, even though it received mixed reviews, I really like Wonder Woman Bloodlines. I haven't watched many of the DC AMU movies, but Rosario Dawson voices Wonder Woman perfectly. I agree. Bloodlines is an excellent film. Uh, if people haven't seen it, I'm shocked and they really should go and watch it because it was great for Wonder Woman to get some animated exposure. You were pleasantly surprised by this one as well. Particularly brutal third act fight. Oh, is this? Yeah, with a giant in the, yes. in the eyes. Yes. 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 Oh, well, that's a good one. Yeah. And so uh, I recommended to Claire that she goes back and watches 2009's Wonder Woman if she's not already seen it. Hmm. James Stone at StoneJ666 said, Going to watch The Death and Rise of Superman double bill at the cinema was a highlight, as it was great to see them on the big screen. I think Death of Superman was the best in the DCAMU, as I can't find fault with it. It's got everything right. Watching them back-to-back is pretty cool. We've not done the double version of it yet. We've only done the the singular versions. Oh, no, what else I'm going to add to my list? The Dark Knight Returns? Yes. Not part of the continuity. Um, But we own that back-to-back digitally. We certainly do. Uh, Death and Rain of Superman, really, really good films. Uh, I think great adaptions of the comic book, great contemporization, which I'm sure is a word I've invented, to make it fit in with the continuity as well. I think it was, it was a really good way of updating the story to fit the, the DC AMU. Your thoughts on Death and Rain of Superman? I liked it. I like it. I liked it. <laughs> Jack and the Geek Stalk uh, said, Under the Red Hood by far. Very good. Not part of continuity, but there we go. <laughs> no, it is. It's an excellent film, and it's one that a lot of Bat fans certainly point to as being a great, um, a great one in the the wider DC animated movie universe. And I love the fact that um, what's his face? What's his name? Jensen Ackles. He's got a, a red hood costume. He certainly does. He is a big fan of Jason Todd. 
I think he'd be a really good live action, Jason. I think he would, yeah, I agree with you. Um, next up, we've got We Have a Hulk at We Have a Hulk Pod. Um, presumably, probably Nicola, but we'll say hello, Nicola and Chris. Hello. We've not talked to you for like five minutes. I think Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox will always be my favourite as it's the the first film that got me into the DC animated movie universe and it's just so out there. But there's a big place in my heart for Batman Under the Red Hood. (coughs) Not part of continuity. Uh, It's dark and unpredictable and Jensen Ackles is fab. Good choice. Well done. I think I gave them a funny gift to say well done. You did. Um, Can you name me this person? That's that man from The Morning Show. (laughs) (laughs) Steve Carell. Yes, that man. Oh dear. Why do I know people's names? Next up, we've got our good friend of the show, PJ Boy Wonder. Hey, Chester. Hello. Who said, a perfect end to an amazing film series. Loved all the little throwbacks to so many films. When Damien said, justice, not vengeance to Bruce. Oh my God, my heart sunk. What was his favourite films? Uh, he was talking about his, the, this particular film, oh, Apocalypse okay. War. Um, it's just the, the emotional work between Bruce and Damien in this film is unparalleled, I think, in this entire series. I think it's excellent. Uh, it, it just it just is from son of batman through bad blood uh those films as well just oh batman versus robin that's the one that's in the middle um yeah brilliant brilliant stuff next up we've got the emerald archer who said having just finished watching apocalypse war i have to say it's this one for me an epic way to end a series a true spectacle and is one that's hard to beat at matt ryan real is constantine agree with you um i said it myself but I hear Matt Ryan's voice whenever I read Constantine in a comic book. He is he is to Constantine what Kevin Conroy is to Batman for me. Agreed. Next up, we've got Earth-9, who said, uh, does Teen Titans go versus Teen Titans count? I said, uh, yeah, sure, for you guys, absolutely anything counts. Uh, it's really, really fun family film, loads of laughs and loads of Titans and some brilliant songs. It's one of the films you could watch over and over. I'm going to say hello. Hello. Oh, well, as that's because in my head I was trying to remember whether this was going to be Rob or Jim, but Jim had also tweeted us after this, so I'm going to presume this is Rob. So, hey, Rob. Hello. And now, hey, Jim. Hey. <laughs> so, Jim said, uh, I'm biased, obviously, because, you know, huge Superman fan, but the most recent death of Superman, Reign of the Supermen, was the best adaption of that storyline. Kept what you knew from the source material, but did their own thing with it and made it fit into their continuity genius. Completely agree, and like we've just said um, from, from James's tweet, it just, yeah... It fit in so well. And that's what I think they did really well with comics that were very individual on their own, like Death and Reign of Superman and Hush. Uh, They felt like films that would be great, uh, comics that would be great film adaptions, but maybe difficult to fit into continuity. And they just seem to do it seamlessly with both of those, which is really impressive. Next up, we've got So Many Sequels, at So Many Sequels. Hello. Hello. Who said, Under the Red Hood will always be special to me. (coughs) Not continuity. I also want to throw a shout out to those DC shorts about Spectre and Jonah Hex. Very good. That was something that they did very early on and they've done more recently, having not done them for a little while, is um, is short films on, on these releases. So I hope they do more of those in the future. That is it. So thank you guys for uh, for joining in and getting involved with the discussion topic. Um, I love when you guys actually throw us your thoughts. It's always really interesting. It makes the conversation a bit more interesting for us. Uh, so we'll have to try and think of something to talk about again next time. Any requests? Let, let us know let at Game Comic Con on social medias. Maybe think it's time we give something away. Probably. I mean, there's so much in that bloody cupboard. Tell you what, let's go and have a rummage in the cupboard and see what we can find. Okay, so we have prizes to give away to two lucky winners Ooh. for this week's podcast. Uh, first winner will get a copy of the 
limited edition gift set of Batman Hush on Blu-ray with a uh, final figure of Hush included. And then the other winner will receive a DVD copy of Batman Gotham Knight. Two of the great Batman films in this animated... Well, one of them's not continuity, but DC Universe. Both winners will also get a Funko Mystery Mini from the Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad sets. As well as a sample copy of the amazing... Uh, DC young adult graphic novel Raven by Cami Garcia with illustrations by Gabriel Piccolo. Uh, their second book, which is based on Beast Boy, is coming out this summer, so it's something to really look forward to. So to be in with a chance of winning, we want you to follow us on Twitter and retweet the competition tweet, which will I will put out with this podcast itself. So follow and retweet. Simple as that. <laughs> So we will be heading towards the end of Harley Quinn Season 2. We will also have the first few episodes of DC's Stargirl, which will finally be out, and we can have a chat about that one. Um, No big movies, because there are no movies. So we'll just have to see what happens in the news. So I'd like to thank again Warner Brothers for giving us the opportunity to interview Ernie Altbacher, Jason O'Mara, Chris Gorham, and um, Matt Ryan. It was great to have them involved in some respect. Once again, apologies to Chris Gorham for completely stuffing up the technology. Um, But thank you very much, and hopefully it's an opportunity that we'll have again for these films in the future. Until next time, super friends, stay safe. Wash your hands. (laughs) Sing happy birthday. Or replace that with the 60s Batman theme tune. Oh, that's a good one. That's what I do in my head. Until next time. Bye. Bye.